Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Christopher from the Ataris, and you are listening to The Loud Spot with Sebastian. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Loud Spot. I'm your host, Sebastian Cosby, right out of Oklahoma City. It's our 100th episode, and we got some special guests right now. We are sitting down with Mr. Christopher Rowe from the Ataris. What's up, man? Hello. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And then we got Sam McIntosh. What's going on, Sam? I can hear you in here. And you <laughs> I'm, Jesus he talks that loud. I talk loud. He talks that loud. <laughs> I scream. I scream into the microphone. That's why I do it in the back of my house. And Sam, Sam is okay. in my house. You are a loud individual. That's all good though. I like your enthusiasm. It'll wake me up. I'm no. I'm like right, these days. I've been getting up at like seven thirty or eight. And if you would have ever told me when I was younger that I would I would naturally gravitate to that later in life, I think I would tell you you're crazy. But something in the last few years, or even our drummer, he would be like, dude, no way. Like a few years ago. So suddenly, I think it was, I came home from a tour one, one time from Europe. And I just like let myself gravitate to that schedule. And, I, and I, now I dig it. I love getting up early. So I'm usually think- animated like you about like 9, 10, 11 until about noon. And after lunch, I start to get that crash. <laughs> and then I just listen to jazz and be chill with my, with my French bulldog. Which she's, yeah. That's her state of zen right, right. there. Just, that's yeah, like me right now. <laughs> yeah, well, Sebastian, on the other hand, he's up early in the morning, and then he's up, he takes a little nap about 7 o'clock-ish, or 6.30, 7 o'clock, and then, then I get Sebastian until about 1 a.m. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted, and he's wanting to do TikTok videos, and while I'm trying to, uh, it's just not working. That's true. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like your uh, energy, you you know, it's, maybe it'll rev up. <laughs> well, thanks, man. The sad thing is, it's not even chemically induced. It's all natural. <laughs> I don't even know where he gets this from. The natural? Do you drink coffee? I don't drink coffee. No. So if I drink coffee, I think I would like wine. Maybe wine. He does have a I, I, I don't drink coffee. I cannot drink coffee. I hate coffee. Yeah, I'm seven years sober and don't, yeah, I don't do anything. But I definitely, uh, I'm naturally during the day, very animated and, if you get me going, I tend to I tend to ramble. Like anybody who knows me, I tend to like tell long-winded stories about things that excite me. Normally, like music or film or art or whatever. But I mean, when it comes to like normal me, I'm just like, because hey. <laughs> yeah. you now you actually do artwork, don't you? You're an artist, also. 
Like a, a... Uh, I draw to save my life. I couldn't make a stick figure, but I, I do all of the photography for all the band's records. Most yeah. of them. I, the filming story cover I didn't do because long story of that album cover is I took the photo for it and I didn't like it. So I drove 20 hours back to Oregon. I took it while I was on tour in, in, in Oregon and I drove over to Astoria on the coast, uh, like the border of Washington, Oregon. And uh, when I drove back up there two months later, the water tower that stood there for like 80 years had finally been torn down because they deemed it unsafe. So that was literally uh, so long Astoria, <laughs> literally. And uh, I was bummed. And so the, uh, the actual art, the photo for that cover, I, uh, I tried to find some photos of it. And I finally went to this little photo lab in the downtown of that, that little city. And some old man had, had taken pictures of it being demolished. And I was like, can I use those photos for the album? And he, and he was like, literally like 80 years old. He's so cute. I remember it. He's like, you mean to tell me you're going to put my photo on a record? And I'm like, yeah. Yep. And he like walked out of the conversation and walked back to the back of his shop. And I'm like, that was weird. Was this guy just like bailed? <laughs> And then he came back out and he had a canister of film and he stuck it in my hand. He goes, here you go. And I was like, rad. So the coolest thing about that is like later, like a year later, I got a call. I got home from Europe and they said, hey, the record just went gold. I'm like, holy shit. And I remembered that I was like, oh, my God. I just made a joke that I was going to send this guy a gold record, like out of the blue if the record ever well. I never thought it would. I was always being facetious. And when it did. I, I had his address of his photo lab and I just sent him one and I could just imagine this guy getting this package in the mail and open it up and it <laughs> has his photo behind the gold record. I bet he was super stoked. Like I, I oh, that was probably man. one of the, besides giving one to my great grandmother who was like my whole life. That was like probably one of the coolest moments of that. I remember that I can think about off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, well were you lucky you didn't go to the back and then say, okay, how much do I charge this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. It's just like, Comes back out fifty thousand, and you got yourself a deal, and you're like, dude, do no, you I, know who? <laughs> we- he was no, I would never. I'd be the last person to ever to say, you know, I am. That that's like not me, but but definitely, yeah, I would I would have uh, been like, oh, okay, but no, I, I, he was just stoked. But but I did the blue skies, the blue skies album cover, and uh, and is forever all the photography and all the a lot of the photography inside the records too, and I have a. Uh, Instagram page of all my photography. If anybody wants to check it out, just Christopher. I think it's Christopher the Ataris with a K, or it's Christopher Rowe the Atari. I think it's just Christopher the Ataris. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. But yes, it, uh, that's where I post all my photography stuff. <laughs> is it hard? Is it hard to still be inspired to write music after writing music for such a long period of time? That doesn't bother me. I mean, I I can kind of like add a post note to that that it's hard to write during a pandemic and hard to write in a time where you're like anytime where you have to feel you have to force yourself to be inspired just don't do it i mean like stephen king wrote that book on writing and he tries to say something like you should at least write a little every day just like keep the brain going and keep you know because obviously some some of your writing would be bad and if you just keep it going and you just keep writing something that's that's better than nothing but i kind of subscribe to that like if I really want really want to get inspired, I'll just go out, get in my van, and just go drive around out in the desert, or like you know, go to places that will inspire me. I tend to like like the things I photograph. I tend to get inspired by the broken down beauty of all these little small towns and things. So I'll go out and take these like kind of photograph journeys where I'll take pictures, and I'll end up like just writing very stream of consciousness because that's what I write. I'll just see things that kind of you know old buildings or like a bird on a wire over a you know something and, you know little things remind me i try try to write my surroundings and just as vivid detailed 
writing as I can and uh, be inspiring. Uh, sometimes if somebody passes away or if you lose somebody you care about or if you meet somebody that, that excites you, like all those things will inspire you. Never, never force inspiration. But um, yeah, I've written a lot. And, you know, I mean, there's, we've, you know, I've written a lot of new songs and some of my recorded, some I've released. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I now I just do it when I enjoy it and when I feel it. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy touring a lot. And I think the unfortunate part of that is, you know, most bands in a normal, normal time, <laughs> most bands tour to make a living. And I think the one thing the pandemic has taught me is how to like, you know, really make a living doing things other than touring and also how to just like stretch the money that I do make without touring. And, right. um, and that'll make it easier for when we go back and tour to find time to really balance recording too, because when you find you're recording yourself, you need money to do that. And a lot of people don't think about that. Like put out a record. It's like, all right, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a nomad. So like, uh, yeah, when I, when we record, it's like, you know, I go to a proper, I demo myself and then I go to a proper studio with like old analog tape gear and record like actual real studio, which is like 500 bucks a day. And that's, that adds up, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of facets to it, but I, yeah, I'm so, but, to bring it back to what you said, yeah, I still get inspired a lot, or I wouldn't do it. I would never do it if my heart wasn't in it. Right. And I still playing all the old songs as much. As a fan of a lot of bands, when people come to see us, I tend to lean on giving the people at least, you know, 75% of the songs I would want to see if I were a fan. You know, and I've got to, like, say 75 because there's always going to be a... I try to play the songs that still mean a lot to me and have, have like, a personal... Um, some sort of personal story or lyric and i try to not play stuff that's too silly or novelty and luckily there there are only a few of those but ultimately i'm I'm still very proud of most of what i wrote and i I think i've seen a lot being that we've had several records so right yeah yeah. sam are you gonna say something yeah i I was just gonna say that uh at this age i don't even try to force a turd (laughs) it's that simple um you know the older you get the 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 uh you just find your inspiration where you can, and and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Because nope. we all know when you try to force something, it just doesn't happen naturally. Yeah, I, it's just, yeah. You only back yourself into a deeper corner. I find when you're when you're trying to make yourself do something. I mean, you know, you you definitely need to uh, to kind of all right, dude. You got you you get you know, come on, you 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 can do this with anything. I'm not talking about songwriting so much now, but I mean, like if if you're procrastinating on something, you know, you, you need to give yourself a little you know kick in the see your pants sometimes but i feel like if you're you know if you at least for me if something is is going to work out it, it usually does and and uh, i'm very organized and i always keep my list of things i got all this so i at least go through that once a day and be like okay what do i want to try to tackle today even these days where you know like anyone else i've got i go through depression or anxiety or things during during this crazy uh crazy time we're in and uh like last covid in march i was sick for five weeks uh, nearly died, ended up in the hospital twice. Uh, and then after that, uh, I finally headed back out West. Uh, my ex was a healthcare worker and we had to live apart during the pandemic. And then during all that, um, we split up and that was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And then, uh, went out to try to make things right and, uh, ended up getting sick again and had COVID again for five wow. weeks in July. Yeah. And uh, tested positive a second time, which I had no idea you could at the time because it's a learn-as-you-go thing with this virus. 
And uh, I was to go through one of those or the other, at this, you know, is one thing. But to be completely alone, living where you know no one, you can't be around anyone. All you can do is virtually talk to people. And then to like will yourself the strength to try to get through a breakup of someone you've been with nearly five years and also the physical strength to get out of bed and eat with a virus that gives you no strength and uh, you can barely breathe. So it, it was a rough year. That is, that is <laughs> and, depressing, and, man. it's like those were hard times and yeah they're hard moments but what i'm saying is you take those moments and you try to use that as something to motivate you to make yourself better and to move forward because if not you know i mean i'm sure we've all got our own struggles and and going through everything we went through this year it's been a hard ride for a lot of my friends and people that i know that are normally really really positive people like our drummer is one of the most upbeat positive people but you know he's he has his hard days just like me so yeah. i feel like it's the good thing about that is everybody you know now because of this situation everybody can talk about it and realize we're all going through this shit together and and hopefully we'll all look back and this year this year and this past year will have made us all stronger and we we come out the other side better <laughs> that's what i'm sure hoping, you know? sure now, are you guys are you guys planning on uh, when things open back up, going back out on the road tour? Um, of course. I, I know you guys just wrapped up uh, probably right before this uh, the Astoria tour not too long ago. Um, um, we did a no no the last tour we did we did some shows with MXPX in February. Oh no, sorry, yeah, fifth, no, 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 so November. 2019 and that was the last shows we played last literally the last band show we played was uh yeah like the week before thanksgiving 2019 house of blues in anaheim california and then um that was it and then we had some shows booked for march of 2020 uh i left my old place in la uh and i thought it would be perfectly normal i got to indiana visit my mom uh before the tour started got out there pandemic happened and the whole tour got canceled then i got stuck in indiana with covid and uh the rest is history but i i've been the whole time like all right well the minute it's safe again in the world and uh you know i don't say ever say well, getting back to normal but it's the minute it gets back to a reality that's where we can safely ha- have live music without putting our fans at risk or our bands and people that you know are around right. us at risk right. then i will be the one be out there but um i'm definitely not going to be one of those people that are going to do it prematurely and go out there right now like i've seen some artists do that i mean if that's the risk you want to take but if you want to put people's lives at risk for that then i think you're just ignorant and and and, uh an entitled asshole (laughs) you know that's just my opinion but i can't stand people I, i when i see people that are out playing shows it's like you know you're only messing it up for all of the, the the crew of bands that are without work and they're trying to like not do this do this stuff now when they know it would would you know put people at risk and i think that's really lame it's like yeah hopefully people remember who those people are and and clubs really like, oh i remember i remember you you were the assholes out there still touring and having packed houses of shows doing these super spreader event gigs when everybody else was uh you know, without work, chilling, waiting for this stuff to be over with, you know, it sucks for me too, man. This is the way I make a living, but I, I've come to terms with it and I'm ready to get back out and play again. The minute I noticed, wait. I noticed that uh, you're drinking juice. There's no Coke zero. What? Um, that's my <laughs> one. 
that uh, I try to balance juice, water, oh, okay. and yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm amazed you're not you're spo- not sponsored by uh, Coke Zero. Point. <laughs> <laughs> advice, don't you, if you would have caught me. No, you hour, made. I remember your writer. Your writer had specifically Coke Zero on there, so I was it tastes, like, "Tastes good. It's bad chemicals yeah. that will kill you." But I mean, I don't smoke or drink. I gotta have like that Adam Ant song. Yeah, something right. Smoke, hey, <laughs> when you first started, when you first started the Ataris, when you take you back to when you first started the band, right? Did you think at that point that you would that this many years later you guys would still be writing new albums and going strong? And being able to make a living out of what you're doing. Hell no. I mean, the, the Atari has just started out is me in, in my bedroom doing demos on my little four track recorder and a, with a drum machine for my, I, I make all the drum parts. And the, the way the band always kind of worked in the studio is I would record all the parts except for the drums. And I would write the drum parts and show them to the drummer and say, this is the drums for the song. And, um, so it just kind of became a thing where after many years of, of like kind of just working it up from the, from the ground up, uh, it became a thing where lots of word of mouth and touring, it, it took off and, and, and did well and, and, you know, went far beyond any of my wildest imagination. And I mean, all I ever really wanted to do, you know, and I think most fans would agree uh, that, yeah. you know, you just want to start out, you just want to get your songs recorded and put them out there so people could hear it. It's like a cathartic thing. You just want to write the things you go through and, you know, you're just writing a song because it's like your therapy. And then once you do it, you achieve that goal. And it's like, okay, well, I just want as many people to hear these songs as I can and go out and play as many places. I just love traveling and playing music. And I think everything else is an added bonus. And um, yeah, man. Yeah. No, I, I would have had no idea. I am still to this day, the most humble down earth guy where I just pinch myself and I'll be like, Oh wow. We got to play in China and I was at the Great Wall. It still blows my mind that I got to go there. Or like, oh, every time I get to go back and play in Europe, it's the same thing. It's like I'm I'm still very like the the none of it's lost on me ever. I'm I'm like my my father was our biggest fan and supporter and you know, to make my mother and father proud was probably the coolest thing. And then to be able to like get my you know, music to to to, to have something I wrote, some little thing I wrote. Uh, affect somebody in the way that all these artists and musicians that I love affected me. That I think is the coolest, most humbling thing ever. And the thing that I will always be grateful for. That's cool, man. So, That's cool. Uh, Sam, do you, have, do you want to add to that? Yeah. I was going to ask him, was there any, are you still currently with the same record deal that you had at the original or did, have you guys changed? Record labels? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Kung Fu was the label that put out the first three Atari's albums, um, Anywhere But Here, Blue Skies, and Indus Forever. And uh, after that, we went to uh, to Sony, Columbia, to put out So Long Astoria. Uh, and then after So Long Astoria, during that, because, um, yeah, with Kung Fu, we, we just, I just signed for three records. But I always maintained a good relationship with them because Joe from the Vandals, who ran that label at the time, he, he was, you know, he helped single-handedly helped, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to put out music. I, I didn't even listen to the Vandals back then. I went and saw the, the short story of that. I went and saw a show that they were on. I gave a demo. I would give a demo to every band I would go see, a little cassette. This was 96. And I would just, hey, this is my band. I'm looking for a drummer. There's a one ad in the tape because it's all me and a drum machine. If you know any drummers, reach out to me. So the, in that ad, they reached out to me and said, hey, we want to put out your record. So through that, I... They, I was like, I thought I was a joke. That's when they called me. I'm like, who's this? What? You're playing a joke. 
joking. So that's how that happened. And then once we had done the three records on Kung Fu, by that point, Indus Forever was released in 99. We were already at a level where we were selling a few hundred thousand records on a small independent label where there was not, a, there was, we were the biggest band on that label. So we really, I knew I really needed to go to a label that was a little bit bigger. I mean, around Blue Skies, we were already having major labels that wanted to put out our records, but I didn't want to do that because I thought it was too early. And I, I just felt like I want to finish these three records keep building this and then do it organically. What? And uh, then I went to Sony for so long Astoria and uh, that what? was, yes. Would you, would you what, say, buddy? What, what, year, what year was the first time, what year was the first, what year was it the first time we got signed to a major record label? Uh, so long Astoria was released in 2003. So I believe okay. I signed to, to Columbia in 2002, but they were like kind of, I think I remember because, or so, Indus Forever came out in in two thousand and one. So, yeah, is that right? Ninety or ninety nine? I don't remember. I'm bad with dates, but <laughs> but I know Astoria came out in 03. So, it probably would have been around two thousand two is when I signed to Columbia, and that was around the time that like I just felt like we needed to reach a broader audience, and we did. And uh, then we did three singles on that record, in this Diary, and then Boys of Summer became the accidental second single, and then Status Song was the third single. And about that time all the major labels were, were feeling the blunt of like uh, downloading and Napster and, and LimeWire. So all those major labels started folding from the inside and we got wind that the president was going to step down and he was a nice guy. And so I, I went to him and was like, Hey, can we be let go from our contract before you leave? Because we don't want to be stuck here at this label with a bunch of people that don't know us. It's right. the horror story to hear about. And then the next album gets shelved and you're stuck there. And he's like, sure. And he let us go. So it was like best case scenario. And then we took the record we'd already been, I'd already been recording and we, we sold it to a, a company that was, um, they, they mostly managed a lot of bands. They managed like Morrissey and Iron Maiden and Tegan and Sarah and a few bands. Um, but they also put out a lot of records. They were based in the UK and uh, we put it out with them. But then unfortunately that label folded five months later and just became only doing management. So after that, it was like basically like, okay, well, you know, it was, it was, like the label thing became less and less relevant. So, you know, when it was time to put out music, uh, I put out things, you know, with people that, that I, I like their, their, like I put out a seven inch with Vinny from Listen Jake's old label, paper and plastic. Uh, I put out some more stuff with Kung Fu, which later got sold to a label called Cleopatra, which put out a lot of like other good records and um, most like some indie stuff. And um, yeah, so, so yeah, I, I Perfectly happy doing it that way, but I mean, when we do another full-length record, you know, I have enough songs for it. But when I when I finally do that, uh, I'll decide that like where it will go. But Fat just re-released our uh, "Look Forward to Failure" EP. Uh, they put it on vinyl for the first time ever. So you know, I think nowadays it's just about like I think for any bands that are putting out music, I think just put out music with someone you feel is going to get it out to people and i mean nowadays vinyl is going to sell the most anyway so i can find somewhere that has like a good vinyl then do just do it that way and and digital and it's probably the next biggest thing yeah and um yeah nobody so (laughs) (laughs) or now i noticed you've been doing a lot of uh i don't know what to you've been doing a lot of a lot of what band camp is i thought you were going to say i'm sorry 
No, you've been doing a lot of live. You've been getting on uh, Facebook and, and uh, whatever program you're using and, and streaming live from, I think it's your kitchen. Is that where it's at? Uh, yeah. I, know, been... I tuned into one that was in your kitchen. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I was doing some live streams on Facebook and Instagram for a while. Um, it's uh, I've lived in like four different places during the pandemic. I just like to change it up. It gives me this illusion that I'm still able to travel. <laughs> so I've like I've just been kind of living in like temporary uh, temporary places and uh, like I yeah I've lived all around in some really cool spots during the pandemic. One I was uh, I would broadcast from my living room and then uh, sometimes at the studio like uh, there's a guest house at the studio I record at and I, I st- occasionally am there and I'll, I'll broadcast from the kitchen there because it sounds nice in the kitchen it's real echoey. Um, but yeah, but then the last two places I've been, because there's been uh, a neighbor in close proximity, I couldn't broadcast in the place. So that's why I haven't broadcast recently, but I'll, I'll be in a new spot in like a month maybe. And maybe then I'll, uh, I'll do some live streaming again, or I'll find a way to just do it outside. I just, but I need a little break. I think I was, I was, I was doing a lot and I really enjoyed doing it, but like, like he was saying with the songwriting, I think it's like something where. Even when I'll go on tour for a month, I'll come home and I won't want to touch a guitar for two months. So I, I very, I'm very like up and down in life like that. Like I'll just need some, you know, I'll get really into something and I'll, it's very, not really bipolar. My mother is, but I'm not. When you were talking about songwriting, I was going to say back to like the very first question <laughs> I asked you, I'm getting back around to that. When I was going to say, you know, it takes, that's the difference between a professional and someone who's like me, who just like writes, like when I'm writing a song, I'll just try to think of what did I rhyme with that word last time? You know, like I, I can't think of the same things. I can't think of different things over and over again. I just go back to like those one-liners. But that's the difference between someone who's been writing for a long time. And like you can find inspiration, like you said, from a bird or sitting on something <laughs> or driving the road where I'm like, there's a bird on a wire. Like that's my lyric. <laughs> You don't even know. No, I, no. I have to wrangle him sometimes. To he goes <laughs> off on these tangents. Hey Sam, what if we do this? What if we do? I do. Oh, yeah, just did three things today. <laughs> today he came home. What if we do this? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's that to me is part of like being inspired. I think you know, um, as you as you get older and you like have done like songwriting for a long time. I, I find that when I first started and you're first learning your craft of how you do something, you write a certain way. And as you get better, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, what's a more creative way to say this line? And you just, you just learn to be a better editor and a better, um, uh, just better at really like breaking, breaking down and analyzing what you do without overanalyzing. You still got to like do it from, but I mean, and I think the biggest thing too, is you just take your inspiration from like music outside of it, you know, other other worlds and other places and, and inspiration from different books and writers and artists and authors and you know you just the more you put into it into yourself the the better what you write is going to be the more inspiration and the more uh, depth and i think you know when you're young you know you, you hear i don't know like you, you're first discover you know when you're like young you're first discovering some music it really excites you and then as your your ear gets jaded and you've heard so many things you just have uh-huh. to like dig deeper go outside the box. And so, um, yeah, you just find different things that inspire you. And sometimes I think, uh, that, that broadens what your palette is of what you can write and create. Cause when I listen like to what I wrote in 96 and compare that to now, it's two different things, but I feel it's the same person. It just, 
It's just someone yeah. you grew or like yeah, you grew and matured. Sure. Yeah, that. But it's still the channel through me. It just uh, it's. But uh, you do come back around in some ways. Sometimes I mean, like I feel uh, in order to. Uh, I guess how to say this uh, in order to really, cause I, my musical taste and what, and what I play have always been kind of like, uh, they, they kind of do this. Um, you know, I love a lot of the music I love. It, it, it tends to be outside of the world of punk rock, uh, but I do feel with the Ataris, if you listen to us live, or if you listen to songs like the newer version of Fast Times or the way we play Your Boyfriend Sucks Live. There's these big droning kind of shoegazer breakdowns in the songs, like like Jawbreaker would do on Dear You or like some of these bands that were rock bands, but they did have these big, lush, textural, ambient, drony parts. Like, it, it it's like we're not uh, one or the other. We're just a rock band, but we, we do I do like to do stuff like that too and, and really expand on the foundation of a rock song. It can't all just be straightforward rock song. It just would bore me. But um, <laughs> but I but I do love you know the replacements or or you know the bands like that. But that write just good rock and roll songs. But I I want to do a little Chris, of both. Work. Christopher, is that your dog snoring in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I'm hearing things. I didn't hear. I couldn't hear that. I couldn't hear I, that. that I was hearing it out here. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it. Yeah, I was gonna ask. But, it started to get more no, I'm like, I want to. No, we love this. No, yeah. Chris, Christopher, yeah. because you like yes, other sir. because you like other music. Has the Ataris? Have you? Have you guys ever decided to not do like a style of punk and just make one song on a record that's like maybe hard rock or something totally different? No, no, no. I just let everything come out what it is. It's just like, like I said, that would be the worst thing you could do. I mean, if you want, for <laughs> <Yeah>. me, it's <laughs> hard me and what I listen to. So if I wrote a record in 96 and the songs were like really fast Ramones influenced songs, that's because I, I'd go see the Ramones and that was one of my favorite bands because it was when I was first discovering it. When you first discover the Ramones and Sam I Am and early Green Day and Jawbreaker, that was when those bands were happening and I was going to see them and I loved those bands. I still love those bands, but I don't listen to them like I listen to, you know, Radiohead or, or like uh, the like old jazz records or stuff like that. doesn't mean all those things are going to come through in my music, but um, it's like, a, it's a product of what you're putting in. So like nowadays, if I listen to something like that, it's probably like more nostalgic, but it's not, I, I guess sometimes, so you can listen to an old record for a nostalgic reason and it will inspire you to write something like that. But my, my whole thing would be, I'd be like, ah, how do I do this in a way I haven't done it before? I've done this before a lot, but um, I definitely will always push myself to keep doing something that is a little bit outside of the box. But um, I would never make myself like, you can't write that. Not, you, know, you can write whatever you want and you know, never care about what people are going to think about it. That's the, that's so, the worst thing you can so- do. <laughs> So no gangster rap coming coming from your band. No, the guitars is never going to be gangster rap. No, I, I just wouldn't be good at it. I mean, I, I love I love old hip hop records. I mean, I that, you know I remember in '82 like listening to some of the early wave of hip hop and thinking it was amazing and being a little kid and just like this is great. Like watching Breaking Beat Street Crush Groove and having all my like uh, early uh, hip hop cassettes that you know in my little my 
jam box and stuff. I loved that as a kid, but you know, that's not something that I, I feel confident in creating. I'm just not that person uh, as an artist and musician, but I mean, you know, DD Ramon did DD King. It was terrible, but I mean, <laughs> he, at least he did it. <laughs> but I'll leave that for, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you, you and you, but, you, but you, you and me have something in common. Okay. We both shave our heads. We both shave our heads now. Unfortunately, that's what well, I said. It's not a choice. If I had a good hairline, I probably wouldn't shave my head. Just surely, you know. Do people still recognize old. you at, at your concert? Do they recognize you? <laughs> I, I have, yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, I've, I've not had, I've had a shaved head for several years. So people have been coming to see us for the last several okay. years. Every once in a while, though, I'll get one person that maybe hasn't seen us since I had, like, you know, 2005 when I had, like, hair. And uh-huh. they, they would like oh wow i didn't recognize you because i'll say i like to sell our merch at the shows saves me from taking a merch person and it it's something to do to pass the time and and uh so every once in a while i'll get that person that will say hey oh wow i didn't know who you were but that's you know i i I can relate because like when i was a kid prior to the internet we would go see bands maybe we would have one picture and i remember seeing the descendants for the first time the only picture i had was from a poster from uh that i got from sst that was like from the 80s and I'm like, you, you, you know, you kind of knew who Milo was, but I was like, you know, there was a picture with Carl with dreadlocks and he looked super cool. So I'm like, well, he should be the singer though. And like, we didn't know because there was no, there were like VHS tapes and stuff circulating, but you know, I lived in small town, Indiana and there was no internet. There was no, like, you know, when you watch video, you'd watch it on like night flight or 120 minutes, but they didn't play, they play like one or two punk videos and nothing like that. So yeah, it was, it's, I, I'm always like, Oh, that's cool. But then again, we're in the days of the internet. All you got to do is like, you just click and be like, Oh, that's what they that's look what like. They, so yeah. I think people are lazier nowadays. I'm definitely lazier. <laughs> I'm definitely lazier nowadays. Not even, not even going to lie. Hey, have you ever, what's, do you have a tour? Oh, do you have, do you have a tour that you've ever done? that stands out to you out of all these years you guys have been playing is there one tour or one festival that you say that was definitely my most memorable time being on stage Mm. um that's hard i mean because sometimes touring all like kind of runs together but um me festivals are stressful and the only cool part of playing festivals is that you sometimes get to play with a lot of artists that you love that you normally wouldn't play with because it's like different genres are mixed and i like that i like being able to say like oh i played with the you know i got to sit and watch slayer on the side of the stage or stephen malcolmus of pavement played before us or uh you got to see billy bragg on the stage or like those things are cool or like you know we, we played across the street when wilco were playing and i got to go to that and like that's that stuff i love but but as far as me i I still love just playing like intimate dive bar shows because that's what I like going to the most. And it's the most personal and it's, it's just my favorite. And we, you know, we played so many of those. It'd be hard to pick just one, but um, I hate to give an answer of like, I mean, the biggest show we ever played is by far my least, not my favorite, but it's not my least favorite, but it's by it's, we played uh, with the red hot chili peppers in Cologne, Germany for 60, 65,000 people. And they asked us to open and that was surreal. But it was it was more like, all right, Chris, just get through this. You're gonna play 20 <laughs> minutes for 65, which is the population of every person of your town you were born in came out of their house at one time. It was 65,000 people the town I grew up in, so that was just surreal. But at that point, you're just trying not to die or pass out or have people hate you, and they didn't. <laughs> but it was still terrifying. 
So me, yeah. my comfort level is more at like a club of like five to twelve hundred, and it's like people are really excited and having a good time, and that's it. And even small shows, like if it's a hundred to three hundred, it's great as long as they're having a good time and, and they're excited. Then it's fine, you know. And the last show we played before the pandemic opened for MXPX at House of Blues in Anaheim. That show was great. And I, I, and it's funny when I came off stage that night, I like I'm very morbid and like that that kind of guy that just always has dark humor. And I joked like, "Hey, if this is gonna if this is if this would be our last show, I'd be perfectly fine with that." I, joked, <laughs> I think I, I didn't say that. I just joked that to myself on my way home. And when the pandemic <laughs> happened, I like remember myself, and I'm like, "Holy oh. fuck, you you." Made that come come true. <laughs> good but job, Chris. I, I, but that was, good job. Yeah, yeah. You tour? Do you do a lot of shows with MXPX? You got you guys play a lot together, don't you? We we have, but they just don't do full tours as much anymore because they all have like families and stuff. But um, they do weekend stuff. Like they'll do fly in, play a weekend in a city, and then fly out. So they'll do like three to five day weekends where we still, I still like getting in my van and going out for a month. Um, if we could do a thing with them where they would say, I'd be like, come on guys, let's just do a long thing. But that's just not the way they do it. So I can foresee us doing more shows. We were actually maybe planning on some things like that, but um, at the time uh, it'll probably just be like short runs or stuff overseas. That's like shorter stuff. But yeah, they, they were the first band to take us to, uh, take us overseas. They took us on our first tour abroad to Japan and Australia. I actually have the the passport stamps for my passport on my wrist. Cool, man. <laughs> From that tour, that's, that was that's... a good memory and, and a really amazing tour. Dude, do, 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 do the Tories have any? Have you ever written a song? Maybe you wrote it 15, 16, 17 years ago. Do you, do, do the Tories have a song that collectively wrote as a band, or you wrote that you've never released? but that you love and you wish maybe should get released one day or could get released one day. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, most of the songs that, I mean, I write, I'd say I wrote like 95% of the, all the songs of the Atari. So it's mm-hmm. generally going to be something where I have a bunch of stuff left over and I didn't use it, but it's probably for a reason that I feel once you put it all through the funnel of what are the best songs you use those and then the, the other ones kind of fall to the wayside. However, I think there's been a couple songs that like, you just, I don't know, they, they, they sound great, but you just can't seem to get them to what's in your head and get them right. And I can remember this one song that I think I actually end up writing three other songs from that made it on records and stuff, but I never used the actual idea. And that song, I'll always go back and kind of revisit all my, I've got like several hundred ideas that I have on my computer and I'll just go through stuff. And I'll be like, huh, that's okay. Let's try to make something from that. And then I'll end up writing a new song and I'll never use the thing. So, yeah, you know, I think most writers probably occasionally will revisit some of the, like, scrap ideas they have. And maybe it'll inspire something new. But, yeah, there's plenty of things. I mean, like I said, I, I recorded, like, oh, my gosh, I recorded, like, at least 20 or 25 new songs for a record that I never have finished. And then I end up writing a bunch of newer songs that I like. Right, right. And probably those songs people would have dug but i just i'm always you know on to the next thing and like ah, this is better and i and i feel i've got a good compass of if something improves or it's better and then the songs that i really want to use from that batch i'll still use but 
to somebody else, maybe some deep cut or B-side might be their favorite song. And I'm that way too. There's some songs from bands I love. Like, I'm like, why didn't that song make the record? That's better than some of the songs on the record. <laughs> but yeah, that's just the beauty of music, I guess, is, you know, it starts and ends with the person writing it and you just, you're along for the ride. But uh, sometimes I wish I could be like, oh no, put that on the, on the record. It's such a good song. But yeah, that's how it goes. That's life. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man, dude. I'm excited that you guys, I, you guys came out with the album. What was it last year, 2020, the beginning of 2020? Uh, it was more of a uh, well. We did. We there's a live recording. Um, we played a show in Chicago on our last tour, and uh, during the pandemic, I realized that we had recorded it. I totally didn't. I was like, oh wow, we recorded that. And I listened back to it, and I was like, oh, this is actually a really good live recording. So I just asked our label if they want to put it out and press final of it. They did. Yep. So we did a, I heard a it. live record called Chicago. Yeah, it's cool. And then before that, the last thing we had released, some of the new songs I had recorded from the 7-inch and some more songs from that ses the session, like the song All Souls Day. There was a new version of Fast Times at Dropout High and a few other songs. And then there was a bunch of, a few old ideas that were written a long time ago that we went into the, to the studio where I record all the new songs and just recorded them for fun because I'm like, these songs fell to the wayside. I'd like to record them. And they yeah. were songs I wrote prior to the first Atari's album. That's how old they were. I wrote them when I was like 13, but I was like, these are fun songs. I want people to hear them. So we took all that, put it together and did this kind of like uh, culmination of those songs. So we would have some new songs and some songs that were new to people uh, and, and put that out. And that was called, um, Silver Turns to Rust, which is a nod to this replacement line in the song. Uh, um, uh, what's that, what is that in Portland? I think it's in Portland. Or no, it's in Talent Show, right? No, it's in Portland. I said Talent Show because they use the refrain from that song in Talent Show in the song Portland. It's like a Paul Westerberg thing where he took a line from his own song and then just used it in another song just because he said that's how he is. He's funny. Like, I think it's kind of brilliant. It's like the, 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 the I, I hear the dog. The I hear the dog. I hear the dog. <laughs> it's the it's too late. Here we go. And then use that is the chorus in Portland, but it's actually a line that he says in the song Talent Show. So it's pretty brilliant. That's why I love Paul Westerberg. Anyway, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's what we put out recently, and some other. I put out some other odds and ends of like new demos I wrote during the pandemic, and that's uh -huh. only on our Bandcamp. It's the Atari's dot. Yeah, okay. But, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was right. And then I got kind of stuck and just like, eh, whatever. And I stopped. But, um, but I, did, I do have a lot of songs that are, that are almost finished. And hopefully once it uh, gets back to a safe level again, I'll feel comfortable to go and record them. But right now, I'm just taking it easy. I got vaccinated. Uh, I've got uh, pre-existing conditions. And I was able in the state, I was living there on to the third group of vaccinations. And I uh, was able to get vaccinated last week because of the pre-existing conditions I have. And uh, But I've still got to go for my follow-up shot. But um, hopefully the variants don't mess it up for everybody and make it, uh, make it useless. <laughs> but for the right. time being, uh, I was excited to have that happen because it's one step, at least one step closer for me to be able to get back to uh, doing the things I love and, and uh, yeah, staying safe and not getting this virus again. Cause it was the worst sickness I've ever had in my entire life. And I would not wish it upon Man, the worst enemy. That's I, I, I had, I had it. I guess I was lucky because I did not have it bad, but that, but, but I'm stoked. different I, strands. I, no, no, I was going to say, I've had, I've had some good friends that had that 
And then I've also had four really good friends who lost their mother or father in the yeah. last several months. It's crazy, and man. I lost my aunt. My aunt died early on in the in the, uh, in the pandemic from getting COVID. Wow. Uh, she was in an assisted living facility. And she got it and she died. So, um, yeah, I, I, the people I, that I meet that have it mildly, I'm so stoked for them because definitely. Uh, you never know. Yeah, you, but ne- you never that's, know. That's one of the things. You, you never know. It's like it's like on the dice with this thing, man. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Well, we have got some other guests coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for being cool. on the show, sharing your stories with us. Any last words that you want to give yeah. before you before you head out? Uh, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get back to all doing the things we love safely again soon. And uh, yeah, just had a lot of fun. Hope you guys both stay safe and well and uh, much love and hope to see uh, anybody watching. Hope to see you on the road, hopefully sometime in the future. All right, guys, there was Mr. Christopher Rowe from the Ataris. Next on the podcast, we have Mr. Jared Reddick, Bowling for Soup. Such an awesome dude has given us the opportunity to interview him and also play his song Alexa Bliss on the podcast. So here we go right now with Alexa Bliss by Bowling for Soup. Right after his introduction. What's up, everybody? This is Jarrett Reddick from your favorite band, Bowling for Soup, and you are listening to The Loud Spot with Sebastian.
will be more like Alexa Bliss. All right, here we go. Our next guest on the show tonight, this is the 100th episode, by the way, uh, Jarrett, is Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing great. 100, that's that's awesome, man. That's uh, You guys are really doing it. Yeah, and, and Sam is still with us. What's up, Sam? What's going on? Yeah, 100 episodes, and he's only six months in. So yep. Yeah, that's... We, we're, we're trying to beat your record. That's what we're trying to beat. It's going to be hard so to busy. Uh, yeah, you it's going to be tough to catch me, um, you know, on especially on Jarrett Goes to the Movies. I think we're at like two, almost 290 or something like that. It's uh, oh, man, it's crazy. Yep. So uh, I, listen, I listened to Jarrett Goes to the Movies today. I was listening to some episodes and that dude who does your intro has an amazing yeah. voice for doing that intro. Yeah, do it, man. I, I can hook, I can hook you up with that guy. Oh no no no! I'll stick them on, but your but your your yours is cool. And I was looking at yours. You're on episode like two hundred something. I saw that. And Sam and I were kind of flirting with uh, doing like season one, season two. But you don't do that, and I kind of don't see a point in doing that. So yeah. why don't you do it either? Okay, so the 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 way the reason why people do that is it sort of like puts your newer stuff at the front of the queue. Um, okay, you know, and and I are. Our show has evolved a lot over five years. I mean, it is way better now than it was. Uh, it's a completely different show than it started out to be. Um, and, and so it's something that we've thought about. What I did was I, I went back and took like the first 20. Uh, I think I did 20 for, at first, then 40. And I just archived those. And you can only get those if you're a Patreon supporter kind of thing. Um, oh. And, uh, but you know, uh, the season thing, you know, again, uh, we, we actually do do that in Jarrett goes to the movies. Actually. Now that I think oh, about okay. it, we are, we are on season three rockstar dad show. We don't do seasons. We're, okay. but we're also, we're also a weekly radio show, um, on Adobe. So, um, it's, uh, it kind of not really any point to it, to doing that. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that Chris's beard has gotten longer. I mean, <laughs> yes. Is is he planning on growing that all the way to the knees? <laughs> you know, man. You know, there's. It's funny about that beard. Um, I, I don't really know if I've ever told this story, but I have a lot of guilt where that beard is concerned because we <laughs> oh, no. um, we, um, we did a photo shoot one time. Uh, you know, when he had first grown that thing out, and this has been a few years. It's probably been 10, 11 years ago. And he had this rocking beard and we did a photo shoot and our managers were like, you guys just look like a bunch of old men, you know, like it's Chris has got to get rid of the beard and you guys need to cut your hair, you know, blah, blah, like you don't look like a punk rock band anymore. And I actually convinced him to shave it. And now that we're like, we are old men and it's such a part of who he is. I, I have so much guilt for, for making him shave that off. Um, at one point, because he really didn't want to. So uh, we embraced that son of a bitch. You know, we, we're like, uh, let the let that beard fly. Yeah, because you guys can rub rub the bellies for Buddha, but I think it stroked the beard for. Uh, the, the, man, I, I'll tell you, there's no telling what's in there, though, man. I mean, like he, he yeah. moves a certain way. You can see soy sauce and syrup and <laughs> cheese, and you know, just all all that. I mean, you know, like it's like that. Uh, 
episode of Family Guy where he had a bird move into his. Oh, yeah. Like, it's uh, I've not. I would not be surprised if there's not some sort of a creature living in there. The the last man on Earth, and he's just all. Yeah. <laughs> just you yeah. Know, I, there he is. I noticed it. So you you've been keeping busy with. I think three different podcasts. Am yeah. I, is that correct? Three, yes. three different podcasts. You guys are still recording and writing new material. Yeah. Uh, what was the last song? Uh, the Christmas song was, I think, probably the last song. Yeah. Um, the the um, we and we have a new single coming out um, pretty soon called "Getting Old Sucks," but everybody's doing it. <laughs> um, and uh, so and and we're we're real proud of it. It's got a really cool video made by uh, made by a family of uh, puppeteers. And so, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I I do stay busy. I, I'm busy enough to where when I list all of the things I'm doing, it gives other people anxiety. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, because you know, I'm in three bands and I've got three podcasts. I'm about to launch a fourth podcast, actually. Wow, um, and. You guys know how how much it takes to do one. Oh, geez. Um, you know, uh, and then of course I'm the voice of Chuck E. Cheese, uh, which keeps me really busy. In fact, I literally just finished a session um, with him, and uh, and so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not many dull moments around here. Dude, I, there's a story I've always wanted to tell you for like probably 20 years almost now. Okay, okay. I I used to have a moped. Oh, nice. <laughs> like and, a Vespa? Yeah, yeah, like a Vespa. And every time the song would say, uh, yeah. and all you had was a moped, all my friends would look at me and like laugh, right? Yeah. And I would yeah. play that song while I had a moped. Like I would turn that little boombox up as loud as I could. So I thought I was cool. My friends yeah. would laugh at me. And I just think it's funny now, almost 20 years later, I get to laugh at them because I have you on the podcast and get to let you know I listened to that while I was driving my moped around thinking I was cool shit, man. (laughs) I I had a moped in high school, too, and they laughed. Everyone had the muscle cars. And I'm like, hey, how much do you spend for gas? Yeah. And they're like, like, "Uh, 20 bucks every three days. I was like, yeah, that's right. You know how much I spend? A dollar a week. My little nephew, uh, he he graduated from college early, and I I actually got him a job, and he's like a, a freaking tycoon now. But he started driving a scooter everywhere, and uh, he owns rental properties and shit now. So it's like you know, I mean, I, it's it's not the worst idea in the world. I yeah, I, uh, I'd actually like to have one to scoot around the neighborhood on. Yeah, it, and it might it, it'd be like uh, you know, like the old old dudes in the parade throwing candy to the kids, you know, just, oh, yeah. uh, on the on the little motorcycles. All my friends made fun of me, but they all wanted to ride it. They all wanted to yeah. ride it, and that that's yeah. kind of how it worked. It was it was awesome though, man. Okay, I'm, now going back to the podcast. You, we were talking about StreamYard versus Zoom earlier. Yeah, yeah. And Sam got me onto StreamYard, and I was watching a Bowling for Soup. Uh, you guys did a live stream. I think it was uh, – I know it was shown on Facebook, and you had it all decorated, and I was wondering how you did that until yeah. Sam introduced me to StreamYard. That is legit. Yeah, StreamYard is, has been a godsend. I mean, when we first started trying to do video – we bought like this really expensive computer, like really expensive computer and all these, and these cameras and all of this shit and had nothing but problems with, with trying to do it. I think the, the program is OBS, I believe. Yeah. Um, And that's how you accomplish those things outside of a, uh, of like, of a, like a StreamYard thing. And I actually discovered StreamYard by accident. I, I was, somebody else was interviewing me and I'm just like, man, what is this? And, and, 
they didn't even use all the features. So I got on there and started using it and just, I just started finding all this. Wait a minute. You can do that. You can have video and you can have this and this and this. And so um, it's really made our lives really, really easy. I mean, as far as the, all of the shows, because again, they look cool, you know? So like when your guest comes on, it seems legit, you know? And um, we, I don't release all of my everything, video wise but we do use some of it for promo so like jared goes to the movies we'll do a promo thing and it'll have you know it's all the purple boxes and everybody's lighting is good and stuff so yeah man it's super super easy so anybody out there thinking about starting a podcast that would that definitely i have not found anything better than Streamyard for sure no and, and don't forget we have referral codes both jared and us so hit us yeah up. There you go. We'll give you, you'll say yeah. they get they get uh, I think ten dollars off, and we all, we get ten dollars. So. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I should. Yeah, I should there's be... a. Re- <clears throat> I I was referred from a gentleman in the podcast community. I I just asked him straight up, "What are you using?" I mean, yeah. so crystal clear, and he's using just his regular old, uh, you know, uh, 720p camera, and and but it looks so crystal clear and. And uh, so, yeah, he told me, and I started messing around with it a little bit, introduced uh, and said, hey, uh, I think this is our, the route we need to go. No more Zoom. We're done with well, Zoom. And, and more impo- importantly, um, you know, as um, Sebastian was saying earlier, uh, it records uh, for you, and so you have a backup if you forget to record on your computer, which... Uh, I, I um, need that, and you need that, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is definitely something that uh, that has come in very handy. Well, you know, also, it's like, um, that's, that's a, I guess this is just another uh, just lesson learned thing, but, uh, you know, like, I, I, I started having some computer issues, and my computer would, like, lock up in the middle of a conversation or something, and I wouldn't notice for 20 minutes Mine's happened. and now I've got that StreamYard audio. I can just go in there and, and plug that in there. Dude, that is so, see that that's actually happened to me before on a couple band. And luckily I had a co-host who was carrying the conversation as well. And I was saying things, but you couldn't tell, uh, luckily on that one, but yeah, we're switching to, we're switching to StreamYard. Uh, I also want to ask you though, besides the podcast, I saw you guys did have planned a, I think it was going to be a tour in Europe, right? This summer. Yeah, we were supposed to go in May, um, and we've had to push that back a year. Um, so I'm hoping that that we'll get back to playing um, actual shows late late summer, but definitely no major touring until next year, which is really weird. It's been a it's been almost a year since we were on stage um, for the last time. So um, it's 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 just a bizarre. You know, it's it's funny if you if you start to think about the math of it all, it's like. We've been together 27 years. It's like a year is a good portion of, you know, what we've got left. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, so, you know, our 26th year was pretty much just spent sitting at home. Um, and, uh, you know, well, you know, sitting at home doing a thousand things. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think we're going to do a, um, a live, another live stream show for our birthday, which is in June. Um, and then we have some shows that were rescheduled from last summer, like uh, end of August, uh, early September. Those will be sort of first ones back if things continue to go in the direction that they're going. But Jesus. What, are, what about teaming up with uh, other bands like Mike from MXPX and, and um, 
uh, I don't know, you know, Chris from the Ataris and all yeah. those guys and almost making a festival, an old school 2000 band festival kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's, it's, that's definitely something that actually is funny. We were actually working on something like that um, uh, to do here and in Houston and Dallas and in Houston uh, when all this happened and, and it just kind of, uh, you know, fell by the wayside. I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest with you about things like that. I don't think you're going to see things, concerts like that for a while. Um, nobody's going to take that kind of risk. No, no, I'm talking about online. online. Oh, online. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. so big, I, big yeah, big uh, online. Yeah, there's been a few of those, um, and they do they do work. You know, it's funny. Even through all of this, <clears throat> you, you would think most people would be fairly easy to convert to watching shows online. Um, it's not easy to get people, man. It's just not. I mean, you know, we we spent a fortune on the Bowling for Soup one that we did in November, promoting it and making it awesome and cool. And I mean, we had trouble selling 2,500 tickets. I mean, we do 4,000 a night in the UK. You know, it's like and and we and we're big in like five countries. I was like, you know, you would think we'd have 30 or 40,000 people watching and you just can't convince people. No. Yeah, I I think the biggest I think the biggest thing is they 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 want to feel it. There's an experience yeah. that happens with concerts that you can't you can, online doesn't quite give it. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing though is is that that's what I think things have come a long ways to where you can enjoy it if you if you bite the bullet and check it out. It's just hard to convince people to do that, you know. Um but you know, I, I've been, I'm doing I do a bunch of sh- a bunch of shows here, just right here in my studio, and and do them out to fans, and and I sell out all of them at 200 people, and um, you know, so so you know, there's that there's definitely a core group that will watch those things, but it's not you know, nobody's getting the numbers that they think they're going to get because it just doesn't translate, as you said. I, yeah, I've seen I've seen some people, and obviously, probably put some money into an online uh, concert. And I'll pop in on Facebook Live, and there'll be like one or two, one or yeah. two. Of course, they're not bowling for soup, but still, it's like if you're spending the, spending the money to do this, you would think that hopefully your fans would want to pop in for a second. But going to a live concert does the energy is more there, obviously, with the live show than online. For sure, I mean, there's there's definitely, no, and you know, that's part of it, right? Is is you know being there with your buds and and having some beers and you know just as you said, you know, feeling it. Um, Sam, you know, um, I, I, you know, I get that. It's just, um, you know, I guess as an entertainer, you just, you kind of want to use the outlets that you have and, you know, you just want people, you know, it's like, you want to just take people and go, listen, this is all we've got. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we, we need this. <laughs> Buy my merchandise, yeah. please. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been, you know, there's, there's good ways to get creative and we got a thing that we're doing right now where we, um, we're doing these happy hours and it's they're limited to 30 people. And in order to go, you get a ticket, but you, in order to get a ticket, you got to buy a, a pack of a, like a bulk pack of merch. So like, you know, that, so the tickets are between like 75 and 150 bucks, but you get a shitload of cool stuff That's and cool. You get to come and hang out with us. And it's not, you know, thousands of people, it's 30. So everybody is going to get to talk and, you know, ask questions or hear stories or whatever. Um, but you know, you just got to get creative to, to support the family these days, you know, and, and it's just, uh, you know, some of it works and some of it doesn't. That's a, that's a great idea. What you just said, I do want to ask you, cause you guys are still writing new songs 
And you have continued to. I listen, I just heard the a piano album earlier today. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was out in 2019. And my wife's like, ooh, are you listening to classical music now? Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm listening to Bowling for Soup on the piano. Yeah, it's like, it's it, that. So my idea was, is like, do an album of or two. We did two albums of of piano stuff. Uh, they're called "A Nice Night for an Evening," Volume One and Two. Uh-huh. And um, it's Bowling for Soup songs played just on a single piano. So like people have it playing at their wedding, you know, like while the you know the the guests are coming in. People play it in the nursery of their of their baby, you know, and things like that. Because quite frankly, like if you didn't know it was Bowling for Soup you would, as you said, you would just think you were listening to some classical piano stuff. Cause it's, it, it even takes a minute for me to figure out what song it is. Sometimes. <laughs> is, is, is my Wiener on that, on that yeah. album. That's such yeah. a cool song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. There's some good ones. And we did I'm gay on there too. <laughs> um, and so um, it's uh, yeah, it's, that was, that was part of the fun is like you do the ones that you're, that people would expect, but also just do outlandish songs on there too, that people wouldn't, expect to hear you know dude the lit yeah. go ahead yeah i i can tell you right now uh 1985 every time that plays because i've ruined myself by <laughs> making that my ringtone in like 2016 <laughs> every time i heard and i've changed it since then but every time every time i hear that song i look for my phone oh, and yeah. i got that i got that pavlov's dog i start salivating and looking <laughs> for my treat yeah, so, it's, that's funny you say that. I used to have a uh, Perry Grip song. Uh, his he has a song called Fried Chicken, and I had that for my ringtone forever. And it's I have that same thing when that pops up. My kids are listening to Perry Grip, and that and I start looking for my <laughs> phone. I'm like, wait a minute, my ringer's not ever on. I don't talk on that thing, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So with, with your new songs that are coming out, when you are when you go back on stage, right? Of course, yeah. you have to play the old fan favorites that everyone likes. But yeah. do you try? Do you try to in, intermingle in or intertwine your newer songs also? Like at the beginning of the concert. So th- this is a uh, very valuable lesson for all musicians who have a hit. Um, that's all people want to hear, and uh, so we have a few of them. So pretty much an hour of our seventy-five to ninety-minute set is decided whether we want to do that or not. The, these are the songs. We're playing no matter what. They were on the radio. This is why people are buying tickets. You know, the last thing I I even like as a punter, like somebody that's going to shows, if and, and they're just like, hey, we're working on a new album. Here's, you know, seven new songs. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to head to the bar <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe hit the restroom real quick. Um, so but to answer your question, uh, one or two, like basically when we do a new record, um, we'll play one or two of the new songs. Now, since it's a single-driven wor- world now, like our last uh, big single was Alexa Bliss. Mm. Um, oh, never mind. That's so nice. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, off. Bitch! And, uh, so, Knock it off! <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we play that one when we, when we play live. And, you know, that was a big single for us. Um, so... You know, but we release covers all the time and stuff like that, and, and we don't plan to, to play those live. So with it being a single-driven world, I think, you know, when we get back to playing, what we will probably work into the show is whatever the current thing that we're, you know, trying to get everybody to listen to is. You, you got you to be careful with the A word because the TV will say, I'm not even going to say it, it's going to pick it up. It said the A word on, and mine said, 
we do not have that feature set up yet. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my wife and I looked at each other and started laughing. It's like, yeah. you just can't say that word anymore. <laughs> you got to spell it. Yeah, I spell it most of the time. But when I'm talking about that song, it's so funny. When I was, tra- I, I track all the vocals in my house. And so when I was um, singing that song here, A-L-E-X-A-B-L-I-S-S, <laughs> right. um, we, my wife was downstairs and she had to unplug them all because they're in like every room. There are thermostats and all of that stuff. And she was just like the whole time you're up there singing and, and you know, song says it all the time. They're just going off all over the house. So, uh, pretty funny. Well, now, are you, are you guys still signing with the same record label? Or are you guys no, we've been off. Uh, so we were signed from 2000, 2009. So we've been independent since, uh, fishing for woos. Uh, which is oh, we could have played your music. I you told yeah, friend. you can you can play all of our new stuff. Anything um, past "Sorry for Partying," uh, okay. we own everything. Well, I don't have so, I don't have any I don't have any downloaded. <laughs> well, I told him I said, look, I don't know if he's. I said it's it's kind of late in the game, you know. Let let's just let's just talk to to Jarrett, see how he's doing, see what's going on, so we can talk about a lot of his podcast. Well, so, and, and but. But we can always upload it and play it. Uh, we'll we'll upload a song or two so the audio folks, the audio yeah. podcast, can hear it and see. Listen to these new songs that are just awesome, and you forget. <laughs> and you, you're automatically taken back down memory lane on how yeah. creative you guys are, especially you with Thanks. your lyrics. Oh and, my god, uh, hilarious! Yeah. Yeah, like the, you know, the song that's going to start things, if we say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was like, one, how did they get her? How how did this whole, how did that whole thing come about? I don't even know the backstory to that. Um, Man, it's it's awesome. It's, it's, yeah, it's so funny. My wife says this all the time. She just goes, your life is crazy because these kinds of things just happen to me. Um, but I... I was um, at a wrestling event with uh, with my son. My son got it. He's, he just turned 15. Actually, today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Jack. Happy birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. And uh, so this was uh, three or so years ago, and he just started getting into WWE. And uh, she came out, A-L-E-X-A-B-L-I-S-S, <laughs> uh, came out, and I, go hey, I go, hey, man, um, that girl right there, she likes Bowling Pursuit. And he goes, uh-uh. And I go, yeah. And I, I, I go, Google it. And he Googles, if you Google her and Bowling for Soup, what used to come up was she did a photo shoot and she had a, a Bowling for Soup shirt on. And um, so I was like, uh, and then I had found a tweet from back when she was in high school where she was just like listening to Bowling for Soup, waiting for the bell to ring kind of thing. And uh, so he goes, you should just, uh, you should just DM her or whatever. And I go, okay. And so I just yeah. <laughs> I DM her and I go, I go, hey, that was awesome. Uh, we're here. And she goes, oh, are you coming backstage? And I'm like, uh, no. I'm like sitting up in the upper, like the cheapest seats that you can get. It's <laughs> been sold out since it went yeah. on sale, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, she ended up inviting us to go to the um, to the um, to to this huge event uh, in Philadelphia. We flew up there. We all went. Got to sit. sit got to meet everybody. And she was awesome. Turns out we're her favorite band and uh, girl, the bad guys wants her favorite song. And so um, we just became fast friends. She's been to a few shows. And so getting her here, actually, you know, she is a bit of a bulldog. She doesn't really take no for an answer. And so where WWE was concerned, she was just like, you know, she literally took the song into Vince McMahon's office and, and goes, you know, Hey, I want to be in this video. 
And um, so, you know, it happened and she, she made it happen. It's the saddest part of COVID. One of the saddest parts of COVID obviously besides all of the people who got sick um, is that we had a, we had a decent shot of playing WrestleMania uh, when she came out. And uh, when that got canceled, it was like, Ah, damn. damn yeah. Yeah, I, I could totally see Chris just right behind her, just walking. Oh, yeah. Her. Yeah, totally. Like, like he's the new manager or something like that. Right, yeah. He, yeah so. he's, he's, uh, he, that, he would be a, a, a pretty interesting character on there. I think so, too. I think so, too. Chris, uh, Chris, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you probably will. You, you need to... You need to start some side hustles right there. <laughs> <laughs> Make some of that money. <laughs> Chris is a uh, is an interesting study. He is happy being in Bowling Pursuit. He lives a very very simple life, and he his his life is our band and his dog. And like he doesn't have any interest in doing other shit, or you know like you know like hustling to make more money or or any of that stuff it's just like you know we get a we get a nice um just a basic salary to be in the band which is you know people now think i'm a fucking genius because I, we don't just split up the money well we haven't worked in a year and everybody's still getting their paychecks that's awesome so yeah. you know so um the way that i handle the finances is is the reason for that and so um but anyway he collects that check every month and just lives his best life and you know, I, I I'll deliver to the Amish, and there and these people are happy and content, and and just the way they are. Yeah. They don't care about anything. Me, Sebastian, and myself, on the other hand, no, we got we're, we're that we got to keep moving. We got to keep yeah. doing something. We're we're we're. I don't know if I'm ever gonna be happy with <laughs> unless unless all my artists make it to the top, and I'm making salary positions. So yeah, each each individual one of them. So one Guys, day get to work. One day, Sam, one day we'll do one, one day we'll do something big. I promise. <laughs> we're, we're getting kind of we're getting kind of old for it, but I think we're I think we're gonna be okay. I think we're gonna yeah, be we're okay. In our, we're in our forties, so yeah, yeah same. Almost, I, I, I'm pushing fifty, so uh, you know, I um, it's uh, it 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 goes by quick, man. Do Do you have a favorite song that you? Yeah, but that you've you written? know what, age is oh. just a number. Very true. Very do, true. Do you have a favorite yeah, song? Age. That you've written before, like that you that you've written a long time ago. That's still like your favorite song ever to sing. Um, well, my favorite song to play live is "Girl the Bad Guys Want." Um, just the reaction when they just hear that opening riff. Um, it's just like, yeah. If you if you if you you know when people like you know, is it worth it? You know, you guys have like you really missed a lot of stuff at home. You guys got went through divorces and you know all of the stuff. You know all of the things that you sacrificed. You know, I can I can pinpoint the moment every night where I could go, yeah. I mean, because when I start playing that riff, and you know, four thousand people, however many, are just losing their minds, and you know, it's and it's and it's cool because it's just it it, it our songs, uh, you know, we're we're consistently that band that families agree upon, so we kind of just keep our audience just keeps coming you know like kids were that were exposed by their parents and you know that that kind of shit and so um yeah the girl the bad guys wants my favorite song to play live does that feeling of almost euphoria from the crowd as long as you've been playing that song and playing on stage does that feeling ever get old or does it feel like brand new every single time the audience goes crazy it's 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 amazing every time like i you know that's the one thing that i the the thing that i miss the most is 
is their laughter because I, you know, I'm a comedian at heart. Um, and so I, I really miss making like a lot of people laugh or, or, or uncomfortable laugh, you know, that kind of like, like a joke where they're just like, Whoa, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like Some dick joke out of nowhere. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I miss it so much, but, um, but yeah, man, I mean, also just hearing him sing back that shit, you know, again, you know, to be completely honest and i know you hear this you know a lot and it's and people i i know a lot of people shake their head and go oh, okay you know you you're doing what 99.9999% of the people have dreamt about in their life for a living and you're going to complain but to be honest i mean touring really isn't fun it's really boring <laughs> it's like i've it's, heard that it, it sucks and i mean you're tired and you're hungover because really all there is to do is drink <laughs> You know, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's not that much fun, but you know, you get an hour and a half a day. That's just better than any drug I could imagine, you know, and that's kind of what keeps you doing it, you know, well that, and you know, you got to survive and this is what we've chosen to do. But uh, for the most part, you know, people are just like, Oh, you know, you guys get out and see stuff. Hell no, we don't do shit. Like we don't do anything like it. It's such a pain in the ass. Even today, you know, it's gotten better with like Uber and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think we're just over it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think people realize when they're younger, they have a dream of being this rock star and partying and playing music and living their best life. I don't think that when you're young, you realize it's an actual job. You actually have to work. And there is parts of it that are going to suck, like traveling and mm-hmm. getting on, on, on the on the tour bus and going all around. You know, I've never experienced that, but I can only imagine from talking to you and some other bands, no one says touring is fun. Everyone says the stage is fun, but yeah. everything but most of it is not the stage. Most of it is everything else. And then here comes the stage. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And and the other thing is too, is you know, we've we've talked about how much I do um on this on the show already. Um you know, Bowling for Soup is a 24 hour a day job for me. Like it's, it is 24 hours. I mean, you know, my wife has to be understanding that if the phone rings and it's a certain person on my team, I'm taking the phone call. Like, right. you know, it just is what it is. And it's just a lot more it, being in a band. It, it's a lot more than just writing great songs and being able to play them. You know, there's just, it's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. A uh, quick Quick question. Maybe you can help educate a lot of these younger bands because uh, we—that's what we tend to tend to do in this industry—is try to teach these younger bands sure. things. Uh, let's talk about the rough idea of of the money that's behind of a push. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, when you were with a record label, they were spending great loads of money to push your music out to the public so it can get listened, absorbed, yeah. record, or, you know, radio stations, stuff like that, marketing, photos. Uh, of yeah. course, uh, the Internet was fairly new, so uh, it, it wasn't as much as it is today. And bands these days don't think you still don't need to spend that kind of money. You don't right. need to spend a lot of money. Money, which you don't. We have more stuff that's access. But sure. what what would be your 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 advice to them about how much to kind of? Well, it? you know, as you said, it's changed a lot. I mean, you know, I, you know, I go back to, um, uh, you know, high school never ends was the most expensive video we ever did, and that was seventy five thousand dollars to make that video, and that was considered a cheap video back then. That, 
Like, that's a cheap video. That was, and so now we're making videos for a thousand bucks, you know, and things like that. So, you know, when I go back to the amount of money that, you know, that they spent back then, you know, uh, well, I mean, I can tell you this right now. This is how much money record labels spend. Uh, we did, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six albums on Jive Records. We've sold over 3 million worldwide and we have never received a royalty check because apparently we still owe them money. So <laughs> there, there wow. you go. There you that's go. That's how much that's how, and, and, you know, so that's how much they, they used to spend. No, um, quite, but quite frankly, the advice that I would give, and, and maybe this isn't necessarily the answer to the, the budget question you asked me, but the advice that I do give is, and and I know that they get sick of hearing it, but, it's all social media now, man. It's there, there's no, you, you don't, you know, I come from the, the times of like in, in 90, 95 to 99 to 2002, really mm. where we were in the van and just gone. And if we didn't have a show, we would try to find one, you know, like, I mean, that, that's just, you know, it was just being out there and getting, getting exposure and all the things like that. That's over getting in the van and touring and stuff is not even a thing anymore. It's not, it's people don't go see bands for discovery used to, you know, you'd go to down to Dallas and you'd go into a place for five bucks and watch four bands that you've never heard of. And then if you liked one, you'd go see them again, you know, and that's the way that it worked. You know, clubs don't exist by people just going to them anymore. It's the band's responsibility to get the people there, which means there's no reason for a band that's from Dallas to go play in Chicago. Um, because quite frankly, no one's going to come. come. Yeah. Nobody's going to come see you. So, um, where that effort now is, and it's way cheaper, is building your social media and creating content and just content, content, content. And, um, you know, we do a lot, but even if I beat myself up all the time, just like, man, I, I you know, I got to get back on TikTok and this and this, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, it's a full-time job, but that's the thing. Like labels won't even look at bands that, that are good anymore Unless their social media numbers are there's, there's too are, many there's too many good bands out there, and if social media is not big enough, like you don't have a following. And uh, yeah. I do. I, I there's a uh, on TikTok. Uh, I saw a buddy on Facebook post posted a thing said if you're over third and you're on TikTok, that's kind of cringy. So what I did was I found like five of my TikTok videos and commented on his post. With my TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, look, I I sort of see where he's coming from, but I do too. In our industry. That's not true. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be on there. If I mean, I would, let's be honest. I wouldn't be on Facebook if I didn't have to be, you know, I wouldn't be on Instagram if I didn't have to be, it's a pain in the ass to be honest. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's legitimate work, you know, like I can't figure out why a picture of my cat gets 1300, <laughs> you know, 1300 likes. And then this thing that I post that's really kick ass about music gets fucking seven. Likes. <laughs> yeah. like, it's, I know why you and Chris need to show your boobs. Yeah. We got to show, show more boobs. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we, uh, I mean, they're out there. Let's, we're, let's face it. I don't know that any band's been naked on the, on the, uh, in photos more than us. So, um, yeah. Hey, it's, it sells records. You know, I want to, I'm going to change out one of my signs. I'm going to put a bowling for soup sign back there. I think that'd be pretty cool. You got to do it. Yeah. I, I, do it. I will do it. I said it. So now I have to do it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Well, why don't we get, why don't we get a signed one from the band? To, I know, will we'll, send you we'll, one. Yeah, you got my number. Send yeah, me your so, address and I will send I'll, one over. 
Yep. And uh, make sure that there's uh, dick pics to go along with. <laughs> For sure. That, yeah. that way <laughs> I'm going we'll some- <laughs> to play one of your songs when we end the podcast. Which one is your one of your favorite newer songs that you would want us to play? Let's let's go ahead and play the one we've been talking about. Actually, okay. I mean that's that's honestly our, we do have new stuff coming out, but that was released about a year ago, um, and that's um, you know. And but like I said, anybody who if you follow us on Spotify or or uh, or Apple Music or whatever, um, we're releasing stuff all the time. I mean, we we released a bunch of cover songs over the last year. <clears throat> we have another one coming out. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma, we have a. Uh, we're, we're doing a song with Hanson. Um, and so uh, we're, we're, we're doing a cover song and they're, they're going to feature on it. Are they from Oklahoma? They're from Tulsa. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that's so people can look out for that. It's going to be really cool. I, I tell you one of the covers that I like right currently right now is erase me. That is oh, one thanks, of man. the best covers from, yeah. uh, from a kid Cuddy. And I heard the backstory. It came from Chris. Actually. Chris Bernie, like, I was just—I was literally just about to give him credit. He—he he was adamant that we do that song, and all of us were just like, "I don't know, man. Like, I, I just—I don't really know." If, and then one day, I was just like, "Okay, I think maybe I hear it now." And um, yeah, you know, um, it was—it uh, was well received. And you had local local boy Tin uh, K on it. Tin so. K Cash wow. is on there, um, Texan. And, uh, you know, he's, he, the guy's, you know, a TikTok sensation. He created like a couple of dances and stuff. But, uh, I mean, he absolutely nailed it. You know, we had we had several people in mind for that. Um, and then when I heard his style, I was just like, man, this is going to be it. And, uh, yeah, he did it. He did a great job. Yeah, I- you guys did an awesome job to it. Because, like, I thought it was good. When I saw it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah and then uh, I, I listened to it and i was like holy shit never mind i take that all back yeah so. it's funny man that that's been that's been a super successful one for us for sure it's um it, it did really really well dude i tried to create my own tiktok dance and it's not it's not picking up no no can't no, no. Can't i can't i can't i can't dance my daughter now my daughter can do the whole the whole little you know twerky thingies whatever it's called uh, yeah. and then i try to do it and i'm like maybe maybe people will like what i'm doing instead and and no, no, yeah, no, no, that's what I'm doing instead. It doesn't go well. No, it's, uh, I, I think I've tried to floss once and it's, <laughs> it's about as successful as getting me to floss my teeth. I just, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah, man. I think, I think we had a great podcast episode. I think we're about to wrap it up. Uh, well, uh, let, let people know, uh, Jarrett, where they can find you, your podcast, if you can plug yes. in your podcast. Well, luckily for me, I have done some more work during this uh, during this lockdown, and I have a brand new website, JarrettReddick.com, and you can find everything that I do on there. Nice. Uh, all of my podcasts. Um, you can even see like some of the cool voiceover stuff that I do, some commercials and things. Um, like uh, and and there's some Chuck E. Cheese stuff and Phineas and Ferb stuff on there, and uh, so yeah. Well, uh, and then obviously bowlingforsoup.com if you're interested in uh, in checking out what we're up to, and um, yeah, Yeah, you guys got to go support these guys still to this day. They're they're still with us. So <laughs> still I, here. I, I love it when I love it when like oh he passed away. And, oh Jesus and, Christ. You know, and, <laughs> And then they're like, oh, man, I forgot all about that band. Well, you stop looking for yeah. them. They're right in front of your face. They're releasing stuff. Go to go to a concert when it opens back up. Watch a podcast. Watch a, a, one of your live events coming up. 
buy a ticket to these these guys' uh, show. Keep supporting them because so they can still keep doing what they're doing. And Absolutely. Chris can go pet his dog. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, and I don't want you to go anywhere just yet. I'm going to have you do something for us. Right when we on the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. I don't know where this is going to go in it, so I'm going to end it right now, and we'll write an ending later. Okay. Yep. And this is the ending that we are writing later. So I want to give a big thank you to Christopher Rowe from the Ataris and a big thank you to Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. I also got to give a huge, huge shout out to my executive producer, Sam McIntosh. Without him, the show wouldn't be where it's at today and we wouldn't be growing in the direction that we're growing. He is working nonstop behind the scenes doing things constantly to improve the show. So thank you, Sam, for everything that you do. I also want to say, please, if you like the podcast, go visit www.theloudspot.net. You can hear every episode from when I first started, episode one, till today, episode 100. It's been crazy. Six and a half months in, 100 episodes. We keep on growing. We're doing some fantastic things. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um... Just thank you to all the listeners, everyone who's a fan of the show. We love it. And 2021, we're only a couple months in. We're just starting. I can't wait to see what this year brings to the loud spot. So thank you, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. This is the loud spot outro by nothing short of tragic. Is this all talk with no action? No. Is this my thoughts with distraction? No. Is this what I bought that's in fashion? Or is this the loud spot with Sebastian? Yes. Does nothing short of tragic have us back again? Yes. Does everything that's good really have to end? Yes. A pin post has a pin show, so to get more episodes, make an order, this is over. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.